We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers. For all of you on the other end of the speaker, I appreciate you guys tuning in. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, and today we're going to talk about the 49ers' absolutely dominant 34-3 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, a complete win for the 49ers, who bested the, the Jaguars in pretty much Every way possible. The defense was dominant, made obvious by the three points from the Jaguars. Uh, the offense was dominant, made obvious by the 34 points going up against one of the NFL's top defenses uh, in the Jaguars. And uh, just really, really, really one of those get-right games for the 49ers. Now, you wouldn't really necessarily expect that, given they're not going against a bad team. Usually, you kind of reserve that that phrase for going up against a bad team that you know you should win. You've been playing poorly. It's time to get right. You know, for years, the four, the Rams have been the 49ers get right team. No matter how good they were, it was always the 49ers uh, who seemed like they had the upper hand and could kind of fix things in the process. But uh, this was just one of those games for the 49ers. It seemed like everything was going their way. And I don't mean that in a luck perspective. It's just everything was working for them. They were through the air, on the ground, whatever you want to call it, it was working. Um, and it was impressive. Brock Purdy got to show off a little bit and let everybody know that he's still that guy. We'll talk about all that. Basically, we're just going to split it up uh, into offense and defense and work our way through the uh, the highlights, the things I noticed. I won't talk for too long because I want to get to... Uh, your takeaways. Uh, we've got your takeaways on deck. We'll get to those, as always, towards the latter half of the episode. At some point before that, we'll talk about my prize picks or lack thereof. Um, but hey, we're going to keep it 100. Uh, first and foremost, probably the biggest win of the day for the 49ers is Kyle Shanahan. And absolutely, Kyle Shanahan had absolutely no injuries to report. None whatsoever. He said he's he's sure some things will come up by tomorrow, his press conference tomorrow. But as of right now, there are no new injuries to report for the 49ers. Uh, Trent Williams did speak with the media after the game, and he said that coming into this game, and this was something that I... I mean, in the in the preview pod, I kind of acknowledged that he's probably not 100%, that he's probably not um, without his issues, you know, but the fact that the 49ers were cool with him playing kind of told me, or at least that he became... Limited in practice, told me that the 49ers were willing to take the risk and get him out there, and they felt like the risk was worth the reward. Well, Trent Williams said after the after the game that he was legitimately questionable, leading all the way up until the game. He had a couple good days of rehab on Friday and Saturday, gave his legs some treatment when he was on their airplane, which um, I've heard many times that when you're on an airplane and you have an injury, you know that elevation can cause some additional swelling. And so they have special like devices for him to wear on on the on the plane uh, that actually help keep that swelling down and provide just a little bit more recovery during that downtime. So 
And he said he wasn't sure, but he said now that everything went good in the game. He said he didn't get any better, obviously, because he had to play on it, but he didn't get any worse. And he said he was around 75 to 80%, which is kind of what we were talking about on the preview episode. If they're going to let Trent Williams play, he's got to be at least 80-ish percent. And it turns out that's exactly what he what he said about himself, too. So a good thing that he played. I mean, that it is risky, uh, but I think the 49ers realized that they had to get this game, You know, whether it's because they're playing against a legit playoff team in the Jaguars, whether it's the fact they're coming off three wins and they've got to just figure it out and four straight wins for a team with Super Bowl aspirations just probably wouldn't fly. <laughs> you know, and whether it's competing for seating, whether it's uh, just the overall vibe in the building, you can't just lose four in a row and then not parade yourself because the 49ers don't do that. But that, those are the expectations in the building. And losing four straight just seemed like, I mean, losing three straight. Sorry, I was like trying to clear my throat while I was talking. Just losing three straight seemed like it was too much. And But, uh, you know, something about that four straight loss, especially against the team coming off their bye week. You know, it, what, the crazy thing we talked about this last week was the 49ers are not only coming off their bye week, which gives them rest, but so were the Jaguars. So the one time the 49ers got their bye week, given the crazy disadvantages they've had in terms of rest and other teams coming off their bye week that the 49ers have had to face. Um, even when the 49ers finally got their bye week, it still didn't matter because the team they were facing did too, which just seems like horribly shitty luck. Williams also joked around about the fact that on uh, Debo Samuel's touchdown in the third quarter, uh, ran an end around. It was cool. Charlie Warner kind of motioned to the right. Uh, Debo Samuel was on the right. Charlie Warner, they ran three receivers to the left. Charlie Warner was the outside receiver. He motioned towards the center and then kind of right before he got there, put the brakes on and turned back around. And then they snapped it and uh, and gave it to Debo. I don't know if Debo was the running back or was or was motioning. I guess he would have had to have been probably the running back, given the fact that somebody else was also motioning. And he had plenty of blockers, was able to get into the end zone pretty much untouched. Trent Williams was the lead blocker, along with Charlie Warner. And 31, I don't know who he is on the Jaguars. (laughs) I wouldn't say he ran from Williams, but if you watch it, he's like turning around, kind of running downfield, trying to keep outside contained, kind of realizing that there's not going to be much he can do about this, what's about to happen to him, kind of making a business decision, not really engaging. You know, I mean, who am I to to blame a guy for turning around and running when Trent Williams is running at you at full speed? What I mean, what the hell? Like, I'm never going to be confronted with that situation. And if I am, it's probably a train and uh, and I would turn around and run away too. So, he was laughing about that, saying he's never seen that before. And, uh, hey, 31, shout out to you, man. I don't, I don't blame you because, uh, yeah. Trent William, Battle Royale champion. The the legend gross. You know, one thing, a, a random thing. Uh, let me pull it up real quick because I want to be able to articulate it well enough. But the 49ers lost to the Browns. It has aged well, I guess you could say. I think we might have talked about that at one point, but the Browns just beat the Ravens on a last second field goal, 33 to 31. The Ravens at this point seemed like one of, if not the best team in the NFL and the Browns just find a, found a way to beat them. Now the, the Ravens still scored 31 points on the Browns defense, which is damn impressive. But then you go to the week before that, and they shut out the Cardinals 27 to 0. Then you go to the week before that, totally weird, but they lost to the Seahawks 20 to 24. Then they beat the Colts by so look, all I'm saying is the the Browns are obviously not to be messed with. They're not to be taken lightly. When that loss first happened, I know a lot of people were kind of mind blown and keep in mind that the 49ers put themselves in position to win that game. Jake Moody just couldn't make the kick. So just something I, I thought of at the time. I'm like, hey, that Browns loss doesn't look quite so bad now that they're proving themselves to be a legit team. And especially if they're going out and beating a team like the Ravens, who the 49ers have to play a little later this season. But it just uh, it just makes them look a bit, a bit a little bit more up to the task. And the 49ers were playing the Browns um, on a shorter week, I think, because they played the Cowboys on Sunday night. And, um, you know, it was bad. I'm not going to get any excuses. Y'all know what I mean. Anyways, to the game. To the game, Robert. Just get it over with. Guys, come back. Sit down. We're, we're about to talk about the game right now. Just 
sit down, come back, sit down. All right. On the offensive side of the ball, the 49ers were almost flawless. Now, I'll lead with the bad stuff up front. The offensive line still looks like they're they're giving up just a little bit too much. Uh, the, uh, the Jaguars were able to get two sacks. They were able to get six, seven quarterback hits, um, three tackles for loss. It just seems like they're still not quite firing on all cylinders. Colton McKivitz is involved in far too many negative plays. Um, and again, you've got a Trent Williams that isn't, uh, that isn't at 100%. You've got John Feliciano coming in at left guard for the injured Aaron Banks, who has turf toe, who, who might be back next week, who might uh, might might need one more week. I, I would assume against the Bucs, the, if, if it's close, the 49ers would probably give him next week to rest. But the offensive line still does not seem great. They, they're okay. They seem great. Let's compare this game in a, from a statistical perspective from two teams because looking at this, some of these numbers are just pretty nuts. On third down, the 49ers were not good, surprisingly. Uh, they were 4 of 12 on third down, and so was Jacksonville. That's a surprising stat to me. That's not exactly what the game looked like. You know, usually you can pick up on those things. And even some, I mean, a less surprising stat, surprising stat I could say is the 49ers had 437 total yards. The Jaguars, 221. The 49ers average 7.3 yards of play. Jaguars, 4.1 yards. 49ers drastically outweighed on penalties as well. Seven penalties for 90 yards where the Jacksonville Jaguars had five for 39. Touchdowns, obviously, four to zero. Time of possession, 33 to 26. Everything else is pretty good. Um, Rushing yards, 144 on the ground for the 49ers. Just 59 for the Jaguars. Ouch, 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 ouch. So pretty dominant performance. Let's obviously start from the top. Um, it, when I say top, I mean on NFL Jesus, NFL GSIS, they always start with the rushers. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is up top with 16 carries for 95 yards. Again, averaging right around six yards a carry. That dude is just an absolute machine. Now, for the first time, I just like slurred myself. First time, for the first time. Anyways, for the first time, Christian McCaffrey did not score in a 49ers football game or in a football game, period. He had a 17-game streak, and uh, and he did not score today. The 49ers did their absolute best to give him like four straight touches uh, during a drive in the fourth quarter. Couldn't get it happen. Couldn't make it happen. But I think it's important to remember. You know, it's disappointing, but it's important to remember the fact that Christian McCaffrey still holds the record with 17 games straight. He just shares it with Hall of Famer Lenny Moore. It's not that big a deal. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey would love to hold that record to himself. It's important. The, the team thought it was important. The game just didn't quite work out that way. Don't I mean don't say anything about Kyle Juszczyk about possibly having a chance to catch that ball and just take a knee on the one-yard line and let his best buddy Christian McCaffrey score. Don't, we won't mention that. I'm just kidding, man. Juszczyk barely gets a chance to touch the ball. If he's going to get a touchdown, let him get a touchdown. And that's what Christian McCaffrey would say, too. But, again, McCaffrey does hold the record. He just shares it with Lenny Moore. So, it's not as bad as, like, him not getting the record. You know what I mean? Like, if he was one touchdown shy of holding the record for himself. or You know what I mean? It, it's just not, it's not as bad as I think that a lot of people want to feel it is. They should have maybe tried a little bit earlier in the game to make him part of it. But when you think of how all the touchdowns went down, you had a crazy-ass throw from Brock Purdy to Brandon Ayuk in what looked like a three-flies-up game. You had a, an even crazier throw from Brock Purdy to George Kittle for a deep touchdown. And then you had the end around to Debo Samuel. And then you had another throw from Purdy to Kyle Juszczyk. And it's just the way the game unfolded, it just never really materialized and uh, I, I knowing what we know about McCaffrey he's obviously going to say ah man it's not a big deal let's just get the win you know and they did get the win in convincing fashion um but they did do their best and they the only problem is when they were trying to get it was obvious that's where they were going with the ball it didn't seem like the Jaguars were really doing anything extra to like try and stomp out McCaffrey's record um when on the fourth down play when they tried to throw it to McCaffrey at the end zone one he wasn't at the goal line so even if he would have caught that he wouldn't have been able to get it into the end zone he needed to have ran that like just inside the goal line 
Um, and, and there was one guy in coverage on him. You know, it wasn't like they were just stacking the defense towards McCaffrey because they knew it was going to go his way. So it was just, it just didn't happen naturally. And by the, by the time late in the game, when they're trying to force it, it just, it's too difficult at that point, but, um, still had a great game. He had 16 carries for 95 yards. He also had six catches for 47 yards. So big, big game for Christian McCaffrey. Brock Purdy looked just freaking outstanding. Um, 19 of 26, that's 73%, which is right around where he floats, man. Right around 70%. 296 yards, 11.4 yards a pop. These are all huge numbers in the quarterback scene. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, a nearly perfect 148.9 quarterback rating. And Purdy just had one of those games, man, making a lot of plays. And like I mentioned earlier, the throw to Brandon Ayuk on his first touchdown was just ridiculous. Not a throw you should ever do. Kyle Shanahan said after the game that it was – one of the worst throws that Brock Purdy's ever made with the 49ers. It was a bad choice. It was a bad decision. I think he said it was one of the worst decisions he's ever made as a 49ers quarterback. Kyle, and he was confident that Purdy knew that. And and he would, didn't feel like he was... He Kyle Shanahan kind of said, like, look, I feel like since he had a great game, I can say this, but that was just a horrible decision. And... um it looked like a horrible decision watching it on football. He he ran to the left. You could tell he just, he does that patented Brock Purdy. I don't know if it's patented, but he slows up at the line of scrimmage, just looking for somebody to get open because he wants to throw the touchdown or wants to throw the ball so badly. And he essentially just threw it back across the field, threw it up to Brandon Ayuk. There were like four defenders in the area, and then him and George Kittle were there. And Ayuk made Purdy right, went up and got it, and – yeah, not exactly a, uh, a recommended play when it comes to how to play the quarterback position, but it scored. They moved on. It never came back to bite them. It is what it is. But look, here's what's going to happen, man. Here's the way it is. And I believe I've mentioned this before on here, but we'll mention it again. Brock Purdy is a gunslinger. That dude wants to win. He wants to make plays. He wants to create plays. He wants to keep plays alive. He wants to do whatever he can to move the chains, score points, keep like it's it's different. You know, there's a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL right now who you would not say that about. You know, they're not all like that. They don't all just do and create plays maniacally, you know, even when it's a bad decision. Brock Purdy is like, and I, th- I think this was the example I used last time I talked about it, but he's like, if you watch F1, Brock Purdy is like Max Verstappen. Like, Young Max Verstappen, we'll say that. And if you watched F1, you know, there was a time where Max was also maniacal and would always go for the pass at the soonest possible moment, whether it was really advantageous or not, and whether it was going to put both him and the other guy and or both of them into the wall. And, you know, or he would run a guy off the road just to make it more difficult for him to pass Max. He was, I mean, he was like a gunslinger as you could be as a driver, whatever they would call that. And it took a while now that Max got his first championship. He's gotten his second one. Now he's won his third. And you could, you saw this season, not only to have, did he have a great car, but he would be much more patient with things, you know, and he would, if the move wasn't there right that moment, he wouldn't try to force it. He knew he could follow behind guys and just wait his turn. And it's going to take, not a, not a, you know, it's not a Loctite example, but it's going to take a while for Purdy to develop, to develop the same type of patient, the patience that like Max did. You know, it, it, you can you can go back and watch how he used to drive as a younger driver and the things he would force and the situations he'd put himself in that he had no business being in, given the bigger picture. Well, Purdy's going to go through those same things where he's it's going to take him a little bit of experience to start to start to see the bigger picture to realize that you can live to play for another down we can score in a few plays doesn't have to be on this one and it's going to take him a while to do that now again he did score and it did work but it obviously even even purdy said afterwards like yeah i shouldn't have done that that was stupid and it's going to take you know i have to realize that in that moment that i, I shouldn't make that throw and that'll take time that'll come with experience you know and and um it's not a bad thing. And, and I've said over the past three games, the the mistakes that Purdy make, was making just looked like the mistakes of a young quarterback. Like, And everybody was acting like things were falling apart and the sky was falling in. And he was making mistakes, and he did cost the 49ers a couple of games. 
But at the same time, he's still playing great. He was still playing great against the Vikings, then made those couple of bad throws. Um, both that just happened to be after a concussion. And shit happens, man. And he's a young quarterback. And I think the 49ers are fine with that. They had already committed themselves to going through the ups and downs of the young quarterback life when they traded for Trey Lance. Now, obviously, that didn't work out. It just happened to work out with Purdy so far. And they still have to be willing to embrace the ups and downs of being a young quarterback if they want to eventually get to the payoff that is you know, just having an experienced franchise quarterback that you feel like gives you a chance to win the Super Bowl every year. And these are just the things you're going to have to go through. And they worked out for Purdy this time, but we've seen them not work out for Purdy in the past, especially during those three-game losing streaks. And so it is what it is. But speaking of Purdy, his touchdown throw to Kittle was just unbelievable. I don't know if he was pump faking and out and up. I'd have to watch the blade in more detail, but Purdy stepped up into the pocket and pump faked, and it wasn't there. And the pocket collapsed in on him. He had the backs of his offensive linemen literally at his toes. And he knew he had Kittle on a one-on-one and an outside. He ran Kittle kind of ran like a slot fade. And he knew he had Kittle out there. And Purdy, with absolutely no room to step up, just beer pong throw through the ball down the sideline and dropped it straight into the basket of George Kittle, who had finally created just a little bit of separation on his man. It was right in his belly. He caught it and then jogged slash walked slash stomped his way into the end zone for a, a, a you know a, an emphatic six points. But it was just one of those throws where you're like, what the hell? There was no room for him to step into it. He just basically sh- shot a fadeaway with a football and dropped it right into the bucket for Kittle. One of the, if not the most impressive throw Purdy has made with the 49ers. Just unbelievable placement and touch and anticipation. Like it's just, it was silly. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Look it up. I put it on my Twitter. It's all over the place, I'm sure. But it's it's clear to us that Purdy's arm is just fine because that throw was an all-arm throw. All of it. Like he had he could do nothing else but throw it with his arm and put it exactly where it needed to be. It was damn impressive. And it shows good things happen when you get Kittle involved. We talked about it uh during the bye week. Just keep 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 getting Kittle involved. Keep getting Kittle involved. Three, five touches, six touches, seven touches, three. You know, he only had four targets for three catches, which is, you know, one of them just happens to be a 66-yarder for a touchdown. I would say that should always be the bare minimum. Kittle should be getting five, six targets a game, even with Ayuk out there, even with Debo out there. Just keep targeting Kittle because he just makes ship happen. Little shout out to ShipStation, former sponsor. Um, he makes shit happen. Like, hey, just keep throwing the ball to freaking George Kittle, please. And not to mention the fact that every time you do, you know, some defender, if not more than one, is going to it's going to get punished. Debo Samuel back in the lineup looked healthy. He had four catches for thirty yards. He also had three carries for thirty nine yards. That's nine point seven yards a carry and a touchdown. Vintage Debo performance. Uh, you know, he didn't have that broken tackle for an 80 yard touchdown that we've seen him have before, but he just, he has to be accounted for every play. He's consistently motioning whether he gets the ball or not. And defenses just have to follow him and have to be paranoid about him. And and they just, he's probably one of their top two players that they just don't defenses. When they come into games, they just establish, okay, who are we not going to let us beat us today? Who are we going to take away? And then we'll have to figure out how to deal with the other guys. Devo Samuel's probably, one of two, I, I guarantee you, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey are probably the two guys that get mentioned the most as in players that the that the 49ers opponents just know they need to take away. And even when Debo doesn't have big games, he enables other players to have big games. He is due a shit ton of money next year, and it'll be interesting to see how important the 49ers deem him to their overall operation but it's so hard to argue with the idea of just how much he influences his team and how much he embodies that physical, just we are coming at you nature. You know, it's, it's, it's nuts. It's nuts to see just how different teams approach this 49ers offense when Purdy is out there. It's, or excuse me, when Samuel's out there. 
It's impressive. Another uh, vintage, uh, vintage. Another stereotypical, typical performance for Brandon Ayuk. He had three catches for fifty-five yards, eighteen point three yards per pop. Um, pretty impressive game. Had had that touchdown, bailed pretty out on that one play. Um, came up clutch on a couple of third downs. Always open, always open. Always has so much space in between him and defenders. It's uh, it's pretty impressive. Um, overall, the offense just looked good. I mean, you go down their possessions. They started the game with a touchdown. Then they had a field goal. And then in the second quarter, they had two punts, followed by a field goal right before the end of the half. Jake Mooney got iced twice and still made it. Um, I, we never really heard a good explanation as to why the second kick didn't count for Mooney. Kyle Shanahan mentioned uh, like TV timeouts or something like that. Quick drink of water. Oh, man. Sometimes drinking water is just it's where it's at. The 49ers did the, the Kyle Shanahan patented lapping an opponent where you score points points in the final drive. It's trying to speak English here. It's proving difficult. You score points in the final drive of the first half. And then since you deferred, you get the ball to start the second half and you score more points. So the 49ers got three points to close out the first half and then immediately in two plays come out and hit that pass to George Kittle for seven more points. So it was a 10-point swing. Uh, By that time, the 49ers were leading the Jags. Uh, Does it say the score on here? Yeah, 34. No, that's not right. Okay. It's dozen yard lines. I'm just, I wish they they showed the score on this chart, but um, I want to say it was probably 20 to 17 to three at that point. I think they went into the half. I don't know. I'm tired. I'm, I'm not going to go through the mental gymnastics to look at it. Uh, they just, the way they have it laid out here, I guess I could have clicked on this. this. The whole scoring tab, Robert, idiot. Uh, 20 to three after the, uh, after the opening touchdown in the third quarter. And then in the third quarter, they had, they had another punt. Then they scored another touchdown. Start the fourth quarter. They scored another touchdown. Then they had a turnover on downs and they were trying to get Christian McCaffrey into the end zone. And then it was the end of the game. So overall, a pretty flawless performance on offense. No turnovers, no fumbles. Uh, no interceptions. It's about as good as you can get. And you can say thing, you know, before we get into the defense, let me just embarrass myself a little bit with prize picks. Y'all know I went big. I did two, four pick power plays. And out of all eight of those entries, so each, each, each entry had four, you know, okay. Out of eight of the players, only two of them hit. I didn't do well, folks. I apologize. Hopefully you didn't just follow me along, but if you did, then at least you're with me. Christian McCaffrey did have over 66 rushing yards. He had 95. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, it was, I, I put the, for him to have more than four and a half receptions, he only had three. I put Evan Ingram would have more than five receptions. He only had four. I put Calvin Ridley would have more than 55 receiving yards. Now remember, we'd seen a 49ers defense that was just getting kind of beat up a little bit. And uh, he only had 20. So the 49ers defensive resurgence completely stifled out any chance of my prize picks. On the second entry, I had Brock Purdy with more than eight and a half rushing yards. He had zero. If he would have ran the ball instead of throwing that weird pass to Brandon Ayuk that resulted in a touchdown, then I would have gotten this one. But it doesn't matter because I didn't get the other ones. I had George Kittle to have more three and a half receptions. He only had three. I had Travis Etienne to get held to less the 91 and a half Russian receiving yards, he did. He only had 44. And then I had Trevor Lawrence to go more than 16 and a half rushing yards. He did not. He only had seven. So again, I only hit on ETN and McCaffrey, man. The running backs treated me well. Everybody else left me. So I went 0, 0 for 2 this week in prize picks. But again, still a great time. Still a lot of fun. If you don't do it, it's prizepicks.com slash gold. They will match up to $100 of your first deposit. I love it because it's so simple. You jump in, you can pick between two to six players, and you can, uh, you're can you picking, usually you're picking more or less. Are they going to have more receptions or less receptions? Are they going to have more yards, less yards, more carries, less carries, all that stuff. Uh, and it's very simple, very fun, very easy. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash gold. And you're going to use the promo code GOLD, and that will give you your first deposit match of up to $100. Again, get on Price Picks, Do better than I am. Rub it in my face. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely doing nothing worth bragging about, but I'm going to keep doing it because I'm persistent. We, uh, we had one two weeks in a row. Now we're hitting a little losing streak, something the 49ers know all about, but we will bounce back. Okay, we will bounce back. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, the defense absolutely showed up in the largest way possible for a defense to show up after looking Rather exposable, disposable, whatever you want to call it. They both works. But everything we wanted to see happen with the 49ers defense, everything we needed to see happen with the 49ers defense in, in order to stop this snowball from, de- from growing downhill um, happened. And, and to me, if you're going to rip Steve Wilkes as we've done, if you were going to assume he is part of the problem, um, then you have got to give him his flowers for this game because everything turned around for the 49ers defense in the best way possible. Uh, was it because he came down to the sideline? <laughs> you know, that was the story leading into this. I don't know. I highly doubt it. I think it was probably Steve Wilkes coming down to the sideline was probably a combination of of many things that led to the success the 49ers had today. Um, But again, we talked about it in the preview episode. Steve Wilkes coming down to the sideline wasn't nothing. It didn't mean nothing, or they wouldn't do it. It it was definitely something. Was it going to be the answer? Probably not. Was it going to be part of the answer? Probably. And so far, that experiment has proved proved beneficial for the 49ers, and they're going to have to see how it goes from here. But, you know, just right off the bat, off the top of the head, uh, Traverius Ward had an excellent pass breakup on a deep throw into the end zone, and Ward broke it up, came back to the sideline, and Steve Wilkes was was pumping him up in his face, giving him uh, giving him his kudos, and that's something he can't do in the booth. You know, he can place a phone call and tell somebody to pass the phone to, to Ward and, you know, say what he needs to say, but that's just one of the added benefits of him being on the sideline. The other benefit that Fred Warner talked about in the press conference is communication is smoother. He can talk directly to the player with the green dot. Those two can bounce back and forth between each other all game. And uh, it seemed to work well. The dynamic seemed well. The 49ers are used to having their defensive coordinator on the field, and that was a good result for the first time. Uh, the defensive front, that was kind of the biggest question mark coming into this game is when are, is the defensive front going to get home? They're simply being paid too much to not get home. And um, what is it going to take to get this unit to, to get after the quarterback, especially when we knew opposing quarterbacks were just letting the ball go faster. And boy, did they get after the quarterback today. Javon Hargrave, one and a half sacks. Nick Bosa, one and a half sacks. Eric Armstead, half a sack. Cleveland Farrell, one sack. Chase Young, one sack. Chase Young, two quarterback hits. Farrell, one. Armstead, one. Nick Bosa, two. Javon Hargrave, three. Fred Warner, one. Um, Tackles for loss. Drake Greenlaw, one. Hargrave, one. Bosa, one. Cleveland Farrell, one. Just They just got after it. Trevor Lawrence at no point ever looked comfortable. He was moving around the pocket trying to make things happen. 
49ers were flushing him out. They were they were moving him around. They were making him uncomfortable. Linebackers were coming up and getting him to the fa- in, into his face every time he would try and roll out. This is what we were expecting the 49ers defensive front to look like. And Eric Armstead said after the game that they were tying the pass rush to the coverage. Fred Warner said they were disguising coverages and mixing things up, just trying to get the quarterback to double clutch something. And that's exactly what he was doing. Even on the commentators mentioned, they're like, something's up with the Jaguars offense because Trevor Lawrence is the fastest quarterback in the league at getting the ball out of his hands. And he's having to hold on to it and double clutch it. And it, the 49ers absolutely did what they needed to do to give that pass rush just a little more time. And it's what they're going to have to do going forward because we we saw it over and over again that quarterbacks were just being able to get the ball to their first or second read far too quickly, and it was way too quickly for a, even any the best pass rush to get there. And the 49ers finally find a way to mer- found a way to marry those two together against a great offense that did everything they needed to do did everything well that would make them a tough matchup for the 49ers. We talked about it going into this. Trevor Lawrence, fastest in the league at getting the ball out. Just three spots ahead of Burroughs, who obviously lit the 49ers up. Purdy is 13th in time to getting the ball out. So it was impressive to see the 49ers make such a dramatic adjustment that immediately paid dividends. It looked like a different defense contested throws were being contested. Coverages was a lot tighter. Not to say there weren't still players getting open. Diamador Lenore had a tough afternoon. I'm interested to see how much a website like pro football focus ties some of those receptions to him, but he was kind of getting worked all over the field. Some of the, 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 the plays he were beat on was like, Kind of, you know, rub routes where there probably could have been a flag, but there wasn't. And, you know, just some stuff. But he was still struggling. He even had a point where he could have tackled a screen for loss and just completely missed the tackle. So a rough game for Diamondor and Lenore. But 49ers were trying something new. It looked like they were kicking Lenore inside and then letting Ambry Thomas play outside, which he did well. Ambry Thomas authored one of the best plays of the game in that they threw to Christian Kirk right in front of him. He came up, tackled him, and as he was tackled him, forced the ball free, picked it up himself, and ran it back for a touchdown. The only reason it didn't count is because the 49ers and their players thought the play was over. They were like, players were coming out onto the field, coaches were out onto the field to kind of congratulate Ambry Thomas for forcing a turnover, but they didn't realize the play was not over, and Ambry Thomas is basically running around players and coaches to just try to score his touchdown, and they end up throwing the flag. The refs ran into him. That's where the flag comes from. Is so many players and coaches had moved forward that the ref couldn't even follow Ambry Thomas down the field. That will instantly draw a flag every time. That's why coaches give some, make somebody their get back guy. You know, somebody that holds onto their belt and pulls them back um, deeper into the sideline. So. Uh, an embarrassing play for the 49ers, you know, one that didn't end up biting him in the butt. The 49ers ended up scoring on that drive anyways after Ambry Thomas recovered that fumble. So it didn't really hurt him. If anything, maybe it it helped a little bit in the fact that they were able to just chew up uh, a ton of clock. The drive that followed that fumble was seven plays, 81 yards. Um, and it and it ate up three minutes and four, 57, three minutes and 57 seconds. So not the worst thing to happen, but man, can you imagine if that was a close, tightly contested game? That defensive fumble and, and touchdown would have given them the lead, and it gets called back because players and coaches came onto the field, and then they don't score. You can easily see how that situation would just unravel into absolute bullshit for the 49ers, but, but it didn't. Uh, Chase Young, the fact that he's here is already paying dividends. He opens the game with a sack. Uh, Evan Sowers, friend of the pod, friend of friend of me, friend of myself, my friend. Um, uh, nickname already nicknamed the two of them, the Bash Brothers from the Mighty Ducks, and uh, I thought that was perfect. It was it was the exact play you wanted to see from the fact that the 49ers just got Chase Young. Him and Nick Bosa met at the quarterback at the exact same time. They shared a sack. Chase Young kind of did the most of the like the the. He kind of already had Lawrence wrapped up, right? As Nick Bo, he, they kind of went high and low a little bit. 
And Nick, it gave Nick Bosa the opportunity to grab at the ball as they were going down and just pretty much rip it from Lawrence and take it for himself. Uh, so it was an impressive play. It's exactly what you want to see. Exactly what you want to see from from bringing Young into the fold was that play right there. And it seemed like the defensive line was a lot more free to make plays. There were still plays where you would like to see them make pressure, but the art of the pass rush and the life of a defensive lineman and a defensive end, you, you don't get to succeed every time. Like if you win a third of your matchups, you're doing great. If you get two sacks a game, you're phenomenal. I mean, think about what that number would look like, you know? So the, a defensive lineman and a defensive end is not expected to win every play. They're just expected, expected to make an impact, to close in the pocket, to make it uncomfortable. And if you can get there, you can get there. If you can't at least make sure you are gaining ground and you're doing your job on every play. But it certainly seemed like the addition of Young freed up some of the other interior defensive linemen a little bit. Pretty impressive. Um, today for the 49ers was the standard. That is how they're going to have to play from here on out if they want to give themselves a shot at the number one seed. Again, it's going to take some help. The Eagles are going to have to drop some games. It's not impossible, especially considering the 49ers played the Eagles uh, in a few weeks, a couple weeks, whatever it is. So this has to be the standard for the 49ers going forward. And it was the standard to start the season. And now it seems like the 49ers might have gotten back to that. The Jaguars, I think, were like the fourth best team in the NFL, just according to their generic kind of power rankings. And I think a lot of people would would not argue with that. The Jaguars had looked impressive. They won like 14 of the last 17 games. Uh, I think they'd won five in a row coming into this game. And uh, it, it was an impressive win for the 49ers in this type of play. Doesn't need to be this dominant. I mean, that was that was damn impressive. But that's this. It's got to be closer to this than anything else. Um, going forward for the 49ers. That's just, it's just the way it's got to be. So it's good to see them return to form. Um, but this is only one win, and they know that they have to stack them for the rest of the season if they want to make a serious push for uh, playoffs, Super Bowl, or and and or playoff seating. All right, it's time to get to your. It's time. There's a funny video that you can barely find on the internet that I remember from when the men's soccer team was playing in the World Series years ago. Somebody just randomly put a camera in Arnold Schwarzenegger's face and he just goes, it's time. Go USA. That's all he says in the video. It's five seconds long. It's, it exists on YouTube, but it's very hard to find. And that's all he says. So any, I always say like, it's time. And I, whenever I say that, I, I always think of it's time. Go USA. Anyways, sorry. All right, let's start from the bottom of the takeaways. We are starting with Chris, Chris Wall. The Niners' offense is best when they spread the ball. Kyle showed good creativity today. I don't think the defense was fixed by Wilkes moving down to the field, but I think it helped more than people anticipated. Hey, Chris, we agree, man. We agree. High five. Internet high five. Juice is allowed to catch the ball. Yes, he is. I know. I he, He's probably somebody that needs to get one or two more targets a game, but he also needs to take a knee so Christian McCaffrey can score. Anyways, Kyle is aware of records. Yes, he was. He was aware of the record. I think that he tried to go all in on it a little too late, but he was aware. I did tweet something saying that in before Kyle Shanahan said he didn't realize about Christian McCaffrey's record and wishes somebody would have told him. I thought that was going to be the case, but they knew about it, and they they tried to force it into him. But again, it was just so forced at that point. It's, it would have been hard to succeed. Um, Kovlol, C-O-V-L-O-L, Kovlol, Kovlol, whatever. Ambry Thomas is playing well. Allowing Lenore to play nickel is the best thing to happen to the Niners. Uh, Lenore had a rough game, but uh, I mean, maybe that is the best solution. And a rough game doesn't define what can happen going forward. We've seen Lenore have good games. It just this was a rough one. Uh, the the Jaguars have a sneaky good, if you even want to call it that, a good receiving core. So that's not the worst thing in the world. They'll see if uh, Lenore can recover going forward. But it did seem like a better solution than anything the 49ers have had so far. Enrique Gonzalez, uh, there's more to this, but this tweet says he's but loving the effort. So there's there's going to be more there. I can see it right here. Enrique said, angry that the starters did not try to get back on the field when they were first in goal to get CMC the record. You know, I kind of agree with that. I saw that. like, And I'm sure it's not their call. If they wanted to force their hand, I'm sure they could have ran out there and said, hey, get the hell off the field. I'm on. 
but I, yeah, it, I think Kyle Shanahan kind of said, like, look, I'm putting these players in. I'm not going to let somebody get hurt in, in, just to get McCaffrey's record. We'll put Christian back out there, but let's get these guys off the field. And if we're going to make this happen, it's going to be with our backups. And, you know, you could uh, you could convince me either way that that's a bad decision, a good decision, smart coaching, bad coaching, you know, kind of leaving Christian McCaffrey out to dry. But I did notice that. I'm like, man, he's trying to get this record and Sam Darnold's out there and Ronnie Bell is out there. Juwan Jennings is out. And like, you don't have any of your studs that they know they need to cover, you know. But again, it's just a record that he currently holds. He just doesn't hold it by himself. So it's, I get it. But it, again, if to me, my only gripe would be, you should have kind of had that in the back of your mind sooner and maybe try to work that in a little earlier so you're not just trying to force it in at the end when everybody knows what you're doing and you're already got a huge lead and it looks tacky anyways. Anyways, Ramsey Nelson, incredibly impressed by Wilkes' adjustments and response. I was mad yapping. Thank you, Wilkes, for shutting me up. Proud Niner fan for Kyle, trying so hard to get CMC the record. Niner Empire, Empire, get live and represent faithful. (laughs) I mean, hey, look, we, we don't know the intricacies of what's going on with that defense. But we can't just chalk it up as a coincidence that Steve Wilkes moves down to the sideline and then everything goes phenomenal. You know, it it has to be a part of that, especially when stopping a team with as much heat like the Jaguars had in Jacksonville. So any reasonable person, you know, like you said, is like what was said earlier, it's it's not like Chris said earlier, it's not the only reason that everything went great, but it certainly is a part of the reason. And if that is the case, then you know, good for the 49ers and good for Wilkes for be willing being willing to adjust. And I, I just while I was watching the game, I just kind of had this vision of I wonder how much say Fred Warner has in terms of scheming against an opponent, and it wouldn't surprise me if Wilkes and Warner and uh, maybe some, you know, it starts to become an even more collaborative effort when it comes to stopping opponents, you know, because it it just seems like Fred Warner has the acumen to really contribute when it comes to what the 49ers do on defense. He had another interception today. Um, So did tell Noah Hufunga off a tip. Nick Bosa put some pressure on uh, Trevor Lawrence who threw it. It was tipped off the hands of the player that was right in front of him and then went right into the hands of Talano Hufunga. Great play. Uh, another pressure play. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Javon Hargrave. And Trevor Lawrence just tried to throw it down the middle, and, and Fred Warner had done a great, great job of backing up into his space. As a linebacker, when you know it's pass, you kind of – obviously, you're not supposed to be in deep coverage, but if a play doesn't develop in front of you, you just keep getting back. You keep expanding, and you keep uh, widening your zone. And you could tell that when the ball was thrown, Fred Warner was like 15 yards downfield, but still facing towards the quarterback. He wasn't turning and running somebody. He was exactly where he needed to be. The throw ball was thrown right to him. Easiest interception of his life, but it was only easy because he was where he needed to be. So anyways, um, yeah, I'm with you, Ramsey. Uh, I think it's a good sign for Wilkes that, that they improved. Pappy said, we are so back. Fix the screen pass defense and we are set. Yeah, it still seems like, any team can call a screen at any point and it'll work. Now, towards the end of the game, it seemed like they kind of narrowed it down. You had Yamador Lenore uh, that should have stopped one for loss. They tried to do another half-assed one later in the game that Dre Greenlaw tackled for like a four-yard loss. But yeah, it does seem like screens still surprise the 49ers no matter what they do. Um, Ross in No Town. Moody still makes me nervous. Uh, I, I mean, he, he, <laughs> he made two field goals. Got iced on the first one, got iced by somebody on the second one, and then made the third one, but put it right over the goalpost. I think it's plenty fair that Moody still makes you nervous. But that's a get-right game if there's ever been one. Brock looked fantastic. First touchdown was ill-advised, and luckily, lucky he wasn't picked. Can't look past anybody, but the Eagles game is shaping up to be nasty. Bucks, Hawks first. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I think the 49ers have, again, backed themselves into that point where they can't look past anybody. They have to win every game, and they've, they've, they if they want to have any shot at, at any sort of playoff seating. Um, what was I gonna? I was gonna talk about here. Rock look fantastic. Wasn't paid. Can't look past anybody. You said Bucks Hawks first. Uh, I was gonna talk about something you said here, or something you said made me think of something, and then I've forgotten 
what you what I was going to say, and now I'm really frustrated and a little sad because I, I remember just I was going to say something. It was going to be good, guys. I promise. But now I can't remember what it was. Moody, Moody, was that it? Brock looked fantastic. I don't know. Maybe I'll think of it. Judah Eisner. Williams is such a difference maker in the run and short pass game. I've never seen a big man move so fast downfield. Correct. 100%, which is why 31 was like, I got to get the hell out of here. And I don't think anybody would blame him. Michael McVeigh, nice to things. See things are back to normal. Having 19 and 71 back truly helps the offense. Defense with 92 on the line and Wilkes on the sideline was just what the defense needed, and they dominated. Pretty was awesome. Need to clean up penalties moving forward. Love the game, though. Yeah, it's really difficult to have any sort of a needs improvement from this game. Maybe the offensive line could can keep Purdy a little cleaner. You know, it seems like they were giving up pressure almost as often as the Jaguars were. Um, but it was a good game, and and it's very obvious that. Trent Williams, I mean, who knew? Having the best left tackle in the game back on the field and one of the most dynamic playmakers in the NFL back on the field makes a difference. I mean, I'm not making fun of you, Mike. You know that. But it's just people tend, and even myself, tend to overlook just how big of an impact it has when Debo Samuel and Trent Williams just aren't out there. And maybe that was just not the real version of the 49ers. Now, again, that's an offense. Defense still has plenty to work through, but it seems like they've worked through it, and we'll see what they can start cooking up with uh, Chase Chase Young. Sograz, great to get back in the W train. Pass rush looked fierce. Purdy was throwing dots. Everyone came out fired up. The Niners can be so frustrating. Blowing out good teams while having that last three-week stretch. Three-week stretch. Rest of the season, very concerned about the right side of the line. And uh, <laughs> he, he attaches the... Uh, the gif of Michael Scott saying, no question about it, I am ready to be hurt again. Um, Yeah, that right side of that offensive line. I don't know, man. Colton McKivitz just does not look good. Does not look good. Um, He's not like we have to replace him right now bad, but it's close. I mean, Purdy was again hit. By somebody who beat McKivitz as he was throwing. And if that doesn't send a little bit of a chill down your spine, I don't know what will. But yeah, it's it's close to like, like I mean, Jalen Moore has come in to replace Trent Williams. You could see what he's got on the right side. I'm sure the 49ers think Colton McKivitz is better than Jalen Moore. But he's just got to he's just got to get it together. There are not a whole lot of options behind the 49ers or behind Colton McKivitz. He's got to get it together because he's just for an offensive lineman. The absolute best thing that can happen to them is they never get talked about because that means they're just doing their job. Now, of course, you get the occasional you know blocking highlights or something like that. But if no one's talking about you, you're doing a great job as an offensive lineman. We are mentioning Colton McKivitz's name too many times on this podcast, and they're mentioning it too many times. On the broadcast, Jeffrey K. Lyles. Ah, yes, victory week formation. Nice to see a pretty complete win and the national experts on backpedal shuffle mode. Yeah, I mean, it's inevitable with the amount of clicks and the amount of attention people need to draw to their content and the things that they need to say in order to garner that attention. It gets old, um, but uh, this defense returning to form at least for this week and Purdy doing the same, it does, it does shut a lot of people up. And again, if I could tell you anything, at least about Purdy, he's an incredibly young quarterback. He's just getting started. Be encouraged by the things he's doing and the creativity he's showing and the raw playmaking ability he's showing. There will, there will be ups and downs. But so far from we, what we've seen, and if you were to put it, all, put it all together in this basic statistical, this is what a season would have looked like format, he's been pretty damn good. Too fresh. Poor 31 from Jacksonville. Going to have nightmares of Trent running towards him on a pole. <laughs> I, I mean, put, put, put yourself in that position. My God, dude, what do you do? I mean, if, if it were me... The only thing I, I would reasonably think I could do is just dive at Trent Williams' thighs and knees and just hope he comes down with you and doesn't land on you. You know, because there's really nothing anybody can do. 
what player at a position other than defensive line, which is not going to be out there at that part of the field, what can any of them do? Your only real option that would be anything close to what a coach wants you to do is just send yourself on a suicide run straight into Williams' gut. You know, like sometimes you just got to eat it. And I'm not, I'm not going to be the one to eat it from Trent Williams. Are you? He's looking around saying, are you want to come do this? Because yeah, great. Back to back to two fresh. Great game to get us back on track. Every phase was focused and on point. Yep, Mitch Wisnowski even put a punt on the one yard line. That dude has developed into one of the NFL's best punters. So, and it wasn't always great for for. It wasn't always great for Wisnowski. So, you know, maybe Wisnowski gives Moody a little bit of confidence. Special shout out to Mrs. Fresh. 12-year wedding anniversary. We get to celebrate with a Niners win, striking gold fam. Hey, congratulations to you, man. In today's day and age, we we know it's obvious that uh, marriage is not as, as valued as it used to be. It's just not important to some people, which is fine if, if you don't ever want to get married. But there's people that get married, and you can see that it's just like they considered it this slightly more important relationship. You know, it wasn't. A true marriage where, you know, for better or for worse, the death to its part. Now, you know, I'm not excluding, I'm excluding the obvious situations where there's no choice but for to, for the marriage to dissolve. But I mean, I'm just, what I'm trying to say is congratulations on 12, 12 years, man. That is an incredible accomplishment. It becomes more rare and more rare by the day. Um, don't mean any offense to anybody who's been through that type of stuff. I'm just saying that I think that successful marriages um, should be celebrated. And I'm very happy for you. It's a very good accomplishment, and I think anybody who is married will know, will say that they are not always easy. They are always a work in progress. There's a lot of give and take. Um, I'm happily married, and I hope that there are others out there listening that are happily married, and we can all come together to congratulate Too Fresh on 12 years of successful marriage. Congratulations. Uh, I'm, I'm very proud of you. Well done. Well done. Hashtag striking gold fam. Truly. Let's take one last look at my notifications to see if anybody else, you know, came and jumped up in the takeaways. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, Is this one right here? Nope. Okay. Somebody just blaming that Kittle catch on offensive PI. God, you people are weird. So weird. Uh, what is um, offensive PI and good adjustment after the fact to come back and make the catch? This is toss up and luck. It was not a pass made with touch. Come on, man. Be honest. Nice. He got off. He got that off with a line man pressed back in his lap, basically. But that was a prayer toss up. That's just <laughs> that's not how fucking football works, dude. Like you don't just get to throw a deep ball under pressure straight into the bucket of your target and it be luck. Like you you don't just get to say that shit. Otherwise, there are so many plays in this game that you could just say, "Oh man, he's just fucking lucky." Like it's it's so sad. Like I wish that Twitter like would develop this little like like mob for good that could go just go find these comments and just ratio the fuck out of them. Like, excuse my language, but it's just people say far too much dumb shit on Twitter and they just get away with it. You know what I mean? Like nobody, there's no one to hold them accountable and I'm not going to fucking do that. I have to maintain my sanity, but it's like, no, that was not a toss up from Brock Purdy and luck. He knows Kittle's in man-to-man coverage. He knows he has a matchup. He lights against a linebacker. He's going to get the ball to him and he put it exactly where he needed to be. Like you don't, you don't just get to eliminate the skill it took to make that play. I'm sorry. It's just, that's not how this shit works. That's spoken like somebody that never really played football because quarterbacks throw the ball 60 yards downfield and it lands exactly where it needs to. It's not luck. That's what they do. That's what they're paid to do. Anyways, that's the end of the takeaways. I appreciate everybody for participating. As always, 
Thank you for listening. It is the ultimate show of support. If you want to give a little bit more, jump on whatever app you're listening to. Leave us a five-star review. Throw in a comment or question in there if you want to. I'll see it, and we'll we'll throw it into the pod if that's what you want. But um, I appreciate everybody. Thank you for participating in the takeaways. Thank you for everybody for jumping in those. Uh, I'm I'm pleased that the 49ers got back into the win column, which makes takeaways more positive, more fun, more energetic. Um, But... I'm happy that the 49ers have uh, have given the podcast the positive week of vibes to come. And uh, the 49ers now prepare for their matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Levi Stadium next Sunday. Right? It is next Sunday, right? And not coming at it from a weird... I can't make fun of that dude who thought the game was Sunday when it was actually Thursday and then me do the same thing. So let me just double check, make sure, make sure. Yep, it's on Sunday, 1.05 p.m. All right. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you. For another episode, I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold, and we're signing out. happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com